is Marcus Hand, editor of CJ Maritime News here, and today is our latest episode of Maritime in Minutes on the CJ Maritime podcast. Over the next 15 minutes or so, we'll be taking a look back at the top and most interesting stories that appeared on Sea Trade Maritime News in the month of September. There was a lot going on, but with stories related to climate change, decarbonisation and alternative fuels high on the agenda. So sit back and relax as we head back to the first week of September. There has been a lot of attention around methanol as a green fuel for shipping, with over 200 methanol dual-fuel vessels on order, and Maersk's first methanol-powered box ship, Lova Maersk, officially named on the 13th of September. But not everyone is so convinced that methanol is the answer, as production of green methanol is in its infancy, and certainly no way geared up to meet the demand that shipping is now creating. Producer OCI Global, which provided the fuel for the Laura Merce delivery voyage, sees a demand of 6 million tonnes of green methanol from shipping by 2028, and that figure does not count. Further new building orders. Fortescue's Global Head of Shipping and Marine Projects, Andrew Hall, believes that orders for methanol-powered ships are simply kicking the can down the road. Speaking at DMV's Singapore Energy and Transition 2023 conference, He said, I think it's very easy for engine manufacturers to say, this is a beautiful engine, but it's methanol. But we know there isn't enough methanol on the planet to supply those ships. Fortescue is instead putting its efforts into developing ammonia, which it believes is a truly green fuel for shipping and its transport assets. The company says it is continuing to work on converting its eight very large ore carriers to run on ammonia. In February this year, the mining company started to test what it says is the world's first ammonia-fueled marine engine in Perth, Australia. Hoare said that these tests were ongoing and it continued to learn about emissions from the engine. The availability of green fuels at scale for shipping in the coming years, be it methanol, ammonia or any other alternative fuel, has a major question mark over it. In its latest Maritime Forecast 2050, Classification Society DMV put the scale of this demand into perspective. Shipping would need 40% of all carbon-neutral fuels produced globally by 2030. But competition for these fuels will be high. The report said, as the shipping industry will compete for carbon-neutral fuels with aviation and road transportation, as well as other industries, the production of carbon-neutral fuel alternatives needs to significantly accelerate if emission reduction goals are to be met. DMV said fuel flexibility would be key. Moving on to week two, and we'll stay with the reason for decarbonisation. Climate change. If you want to see climate change in action, and you are in shipping, Panama Canal provides a rather telling example. The key waterway links the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans, cutting out thousands of miles of voyage around the Cape of Good Hope from Asia to the US East Coast, or the alternative sailing via the Suez Canal. The expansion of the Panama Canal in 2016 significantly increased traffic, allowing for much larger vessels to transit the waterway. Unfortunately though, recent years have seen changes in weather patterns in Panama that have resulted in droughts and water shortages. These issues have come to a head this year, with an extended drought 
and a failure of the rainy season to bring rains to the canal's watershed. The result has been a reduction in daily transits, decreases in maximum vessel drafts, growing queues of vessels without reservations, and prices for transit slots at auctioning skyrocketing to $2.4 million. Panama Canal Authority Administrator Ricardo Vasquez warned, if we must consider transit reductions, we will. This would be to continue with a draft of 13.4 meters. We will not reduce draft. If we do that, it will impact 70% of our shippers. We will manage the water levels and we are looking at long-term solutions, he said. We will be speaking to the Panama Canal Administrator on the Sea Trade Maritime podcast in October to find out more on this critical story. With all the focus on climate change and its impact, environmental, social and governance or ESG strategies are now a serious concern across all industries, not just shipping. ESG came into focus along with diversity and attracting future talent at a joint Worcester UK and Sea Trade Maritime event held during London International Shipping Week. A key point that was made was that young people's expectations on ESG need to be met by the industry to attract future talent, already a serious issue that the industry is facing. Columbia Group President and CEO Mark O'Neill highlighted a recent event organised by the company to attract students at the UK's Oxford University. The company hired a wine bar and gave presentations on the positives of a career in Columbia. However, the main issue raised by students, he said, was not what they could expect in material terms from a career at Columbia. Their main concern was hearing about the company's ESG framework. Developing ESG is not an option. It's absolutely crucial, he said. If you're enjoying the Sea Trade Maritime podcast, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on the app of your choice. Moving on to week three and the whole move to alternative fuels by shipping was in focus at the International Union of Marine Insurers, or IUMI, annual conference this year held in the Scottish capital of Edinburgh. In some good news, IUMI said the loss ratio over the last three years had been on a downward trend, with the 2022 loss ratios at the lowest since 2015. However, shipping's greenhouse gas emission targets for 2050 and the adoption of dual fuel in new buildings and a start to switching to alternative fuels present new risks for marine insurers. Ilias Descaris, chair of the IUMI's Ocean Hull Committee, said emission reduction technologies are inevitably more sophisticated than the current methods of ship propulsion. This will increase the value of the global fleet and consequently the level of risk to be covered. Combined with this, the rapid implementation of new technologies and new fuel blends would create new risks for marine insurers. There was also a need for what were described as adequate regulations to ensure the safety of vessels and those who operate them, as well as the training for the crew that operate these new technologies. Meanwhile, many of my colleagues at Sea Trade Maritime were in demand, Saudi Arabia, for the highly successful Saudi Maritime Congress. Saudi's diversification of its economy and massive giga project investments are creating a huge range of business opportunities. Speaking at the conference for the Saudi Maritime Congress, Paul Holtus, founding president and CEO of the World Ocean Council, highlighted Saudi's role as a crossroads and how the giga projects could provide 
a platform for developing alternative fuels for the region and beyond, he told the conference. This role of Saudi Arabia as a crossroads is really going to become even more important. And so, as came up a little while earlier today, there's tremendous opportunity here. The Giga projects are really accentuating that potential and providing a real physical place, that crossroads and that leadership role with Vision 2030. And I would say, and we've been putting forward ideas on an ocean Vision 2030 since the first FII back in 2017, to use those Giga projects as solutions labs. Meanwhile, ABS President John McDonald highlighted how continued demand for hydrocarbons, reaching 2 million barrels per day, would result in a surge in demand for drilling rigs. Speaking at the conference, he said, Fewer rigs are switching regions, operators are locking up rigs in longer-term contracts, and drillers are reacting by increasing their day rates. Looking geographically, we are expecting the regions with the most activity to be here in the Middle East, also in the Gulf of Mexico, West Africa, and South America. But here in the Middle East, the active jackup rig count is estimated to double within the next two years, driven by a powerful growth and investment from Saudi Arabia operators. Moving on to week four, and we've talked a lot in this episode about investing in decarbonization, but only a relatively small number of owners are actually investing in alternative dual fuel tonnage. For most, a combination of the risk of not knowing which future fuels will win out and the higher costs are discouraging investment for now. The Greeks are known as some of the world's most successful ship owners, but they've hardly been rushing out to buy alternative fuel tonnage as Sea Trade Maritime News correspondent Nick Savides reports. Greek ship owners are expected to order some 240 new buildings this year, well outstripping last year's total of 190. However, all but 10 of these ships are conventionally powered. They are mainly LR2 tankers to replace an aging Aframax fleet and bulk carriers. There has only been one container ship ordered so far in 2023 by Greek owners. The country's owners are concerned over uncertainty over future fuel types and instead are choosing to meet decarbonisation targets through optimising the efficiency of ships, such as using air lubrication, carbon capture and storage, and other energy-saving devices, believing that oil will remain as a fuel in the future. To round out this episode of Maritime Minutes, we are going to take a look at the outlook for container shipping. After the incredible bull run of the pandemic, and its era of supply chain disruption. Container shipping markets are already back at 2019 levels, but they could get considerably worse. Asia to Europe freight rates are actually below 2019 levels now, and there is a real risk that rates on the trade could slump to those seen in 2016, unless drastic capacity management levels are introduced, according to analyst Linalitica. To refresh your memory, 2016 was one of the worst years that container shipping has experienced. Container shipping capacity has been expanding at record levels as new building deliveries flood the market. The average growth rate has been 190,000 TU per month since April, the fastest growth rate ever recorded, and the analyst said it would continue for another two years. The result could be a plunge into the abyss both in terms of container freight rates 
and shipping line profitability, as we witnessed in 2016. And on that not-so-cheery note, that is all we have time for on this episode of Maritime in Minutes. To find out more about the stories mentioned in this episode, please to see the links in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to joining you on our next episode. <laughs>